Hey there guys, welcome back to the Variety Show, Liam. We have another great episode installed for you today. We are interviewing Charlotte Raven from the Thompson Twins Tom Bailey Band. She was a great guest and uh, she plays keyboards, she does a bit of e work, she's a backing vocalist, but she does a lot of uh, film and TV scores for work across the UK, Ireland, Great British Isles, you know what, she's still a lot of work there and... Uh, she has a lot of stories to tell from of working as a solo musician, but also working with Tom himself. So, uh, yeah, enjoy Season 2, Episode 6 of The Variety Show with Liam. Take care, and enjoy. Hello guys, welcome back to The Variety Show with Liam, a place where I like to talk about things all about music and any other related stuff in the entertainment industry. I went to a gig and maybe a couple of weeks ago now, in Northcote to see Tom Bailey's Thompson Twins, I got the absolute pleasure to meet Flyout founding member Tom Bailey, but also to witness his backing band as well. And I have one of their members here, Charlotte Raven, who plays keyboards, does backing vocals, and also plays the wonderful E-Cello. How about a hello from us from England? Uh, hello, hello there. Yeah, no, it's an absolute pleasure being on the on the podcast. I'm, I'm yeah, super Super honoured to have made it on as one of the first band members. So yeah, it's uh, it was an amazing set of shows, and yeah, here we are. Mm. No doubt. So if Tom Bailey's listening, you are. I have sent an email to your management. Hopefully, you can get back to that somewhere. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, because you've got. Have you? You've got Tom coming on, or you've spoken to Tom? Yeah, I sent when I met him. He said, I said to him, well, I want you on my podcast because I think you'd be a really great fit. And he says, well, yeah, I definitely would like to do it. Like uh, just a short little like 20 minute interview. I'm like, cool. Yeah. So been given his management's email and now I'm just waiting for a response. So we should see what they say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've done all the right things. So fingers crossed he'll they'll respond pretty soon. Yeah. Anyways, let's get on with the questions. As always, we always like to hear a bit about your history. So what is your earliest memories of music? Earliest memories of music, gosh. Well, I had like a, I had quite a traditional upbringing in terms of, I, I grew up with my grandmother um, from the age of six. And she was um, someone who was very inspired by music herself. And she was a musician, she was a cellist. And um, hence where I've got the influence from playing cello. Um, so I spent the first like sort of primal years of my childhood living with her. Um, right through until I was 18 actually but um, so she was a massive musical influence to me so I grew up hearing a lot of classical music originally so you know concertos and symphonies and beautiful you know all the big composers Beethoven, Dvorak, Mozart, Schubert all, all the classical composers you can think of so that's kind of where my roots originally lay and, and, and lie but um, since then I kind of have over the course of my life sort of branched out and discovered all sorts of forms of different music. So um, now I'd say my my memories are much more eclectic, but the first memories for sure are kind of a classical upbringing, hence the cello and the piano and things like that. And the hmm. keys. This is certainly interesting for me, seeing e-cello has been weaved into Tom Bailey's music, I think is, is a very uh, interesting quality, especially on tracks like Tissue of Mercy, who can stop the... Was it Lucas of the Rain? No, I don't think it did. No, uh, so in the end, we've got cello on Sister of Mercy, Lay Your Hands on Me, and The Gap in this instance. And then you didn't see this, but in the UK, we did a show in Aylesbury, which I'm sure you heard about. Um, it was kind of our first show of Into the Gap that we did ever um, before coming out to Australia. And there we did um, We Are Detective, which um, was very popular. Very super super fans, which I'm sure you know very well. And on that, I played cello as well. So I had that that nice low, a sort of bass line that goes on in We Are Detective. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's the moment we've got four tracks, but yeah, the cello was a really exciting part of our uh, addition to the whole thing. Really, with Tom, is that you know prior to that, I was just playing keyboards and singing backing vocals, and then we did a tour a few years ago in America with Culture Club and Boy George, which again, I'm sure you heard we did, but um, we did a sort of big three month tour of the whole of America. And I came back and I, I'd earned this money with Tom and I thought, right, well, what should I do? And I thought, 
oh my goodness, I what I've always wanted is to buy an electric cello. I have an acoustic, I have two acoustic cellos actually, but I've always wanted an electric cello. And I thought, well, what I need to do is try and find one in white to go with the Thompson Twins image, which is all of us being in white at the moment. So I scoured the internet and I scoured looking all over the world and I managed to find one white Yamaha electric cello in America, in North Carolina. There was only one um, and I think there'd only been sort of two or three made in the world of that make. And I rang them up and I said, please do not let it go anywhere. I'll buy it now over the phone and I'd need you to ship it over to fly over to the UK. And, you know, so I did it. And yeah, I turned up, I gave Tom a call and I had it and I said, Tom, you won't believe it. I bought this electric cello and I, and you won't guess what color it is. And he said, Oh, what? And I said, well, it's white. And he said, Oh, and his eyes just lit up. And he said, and I could see his mind working and thinking, right, this is the beginning of incorporating some, some more string side of things into the track. So that's kind of what we did going forward. And we always work out how can we add cello lines here or, or there or all that, all that kind of thing. We always try and think outside of the box about how can we incorporate and change up the routine of what we do. Um, and that goes we're saying with the percussion as well with Paulina and with Alice on the bass, you know, we're always thinking about how can we, how can we make the show different and change and things like that. So yeah, the, the, the transition from me doing sort of classical, you know, growing up in a classical world into the Thompson twins, it kind of, it happened quite organically in the end, but through the electric cello for sure, because there's so much you can do with the electric cello. Mm. Has the, have you looked back through the discography and Thompson twins and wonder, I could put each one on that and on that and on that and on that. Any songs? Yeah, just yeah. That to you. Totally. The word, I mean, the world's our oyster, really, because the with what's great about the electric cello is it's so diverse in the sense that you can, you know, you can do so much of it. It's a bit like an electric guitar. Well, it's almost exactly like an electric guitar. You can put pedals, use as many pedals as you want. You can put it through all sorts of audio processing. You could, there's, you're like, you're, the world of of there's no limitations basically so yeah we're always in discussions about what we want but I think what really lends with the, the electric cello for a lot of Tom stuff is all those lovely lines like in Sister of Mercy it lends very well to you know not being a sort of rock rock and roll distorted cello line but just you know it really lends very well to the track itself and the lines and then you know lay your hands in the bottom end nice low end cello lines too um, and the gap, obviously, is just the the nature of the gap. Um, the cello part on that is really, really fun to play with the fast passage at the beginning um, mm. that goes throughout the piece. So, yeah, we're always trying to, I'd say we keep it quite string led and cellistic, but we're always, there's always room for interpretation about what, what we can do. And yeah, the possibilities are endless. So, um, yeah. I've always thought, there is one particular song that Tom's not touched for nearly 40 years, Long Goodbye from Close of the Bone. That would be really with Yeah, that would be a good would that be a good one for the cello? Yes. Yeah, you see, maybe he needs a bit. Maybe you can mention to it to him when you do speak to him. And uh we can we can this is good. You can help me push this out to Tom and see what he says. But yeah, no, I, I think the more tracks the better. I mean, I love playing electric cello and and on all these tracks that we do so yeah the more the merrier but yeah it's interesting isn't it they, I mean the, the there's endless possibilities with a lot of the Thompson Twins tracks that could potentially because a lot of the time Tom was using sort of synth string lines and things like that so it's very transferable you know there is you know it's I think when you come across one of his his tracks that has a string synth sound in it it's it immediately it's like yes we could we could do that on the cello we could we could something so yeah there's lots of options which is fun cool did you uh did you ever imagine that this would be the instrument you would be playing as a little kid compared to what you play now you know the cello the keyboard or did you always imagine that you would be going somewhere else um I kind of I think because I just grew up in that environment I sort of I sort of knew that sort of one I guess the classical world was kind of my pushing into music but two the cello I think because my grandmother was a cellist it was sort of a very easy and apparent thing to fall into um and 
I kind of was I was one one thing about my grandmother that was amazing is she never pushed me in the sense that she was never a sort of very forcing parent figure about doing a musical instrument she never pushed me saying you've got to do it you've got to practice you've got to do it hours a day she was very encouraging to just encourage me to want to do it so she kept a small electric a small electric a small acoustic cello in the corner of our living room and uh, she just left it there and she said if I wanted to play it I could and this was when I was sort of about five or six and uh, I kind of was naturally quite inquisitive and intrigued by it so I would go over to it and pluck it and then I'd pick it up eventually a few days later and then I'd try and bow it and then when it became apparent that I actually had my own interest in wanting to play it I then she then encouraged me to have lessons and stuff but I mean in terms of I think in terms of instruments piano and cello were kind of things that I always connected with that felt obvious to me I, I mean I I don't think I would have necessarily picked up another instrument then but now having grown up in music and studied music and spent years professionally doing music I mean there's so many you know amazing musical instruments out there that I I wish I mean I wish I could one I wish I could play at least one instrument from every musical family of the orchestra that's a given that would be amazing because the knowledge you have there would be incredible and two I've always had a love affair for the guitar I have to say I I've I I kind of wish that I'd had that opportunity to learn guitar and like, maybe it's not too late maybe I could pick up the guitar and 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 learn it but um I do occasionally pick up a guitar actually and sort of just feel my way around it because again you've learned some technique coming from here on a cello you know with no frets but you know guitars a bit lower down and you've got frets and so it's not completely alien if anything I'm kind of lucky I'm a sort of step forward with it so maybe I should uh maybe I should pick up the guitar and just get into it a bit <laughs> hmm, fair enough at least be yeah. able to go on a trombone on stage or something else <laughs> yeah 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 exactly no I mean I love it I mean I I, I think one of my in terms of transitions in my own musical journey, I think as well is, you know, as I said, having grown up in a classical world, I was massively, as I got older in my teenage years, I kind of, ma I massively, I sort of discovered music because, you know, having grown up with my grandmother, she was, as I said, a classical person. So I, that was my education really. And then as I got older, I sort of learned that there were other amazing forms of music out there and genres. And then, then I discovered you know, jazz, and I discovered like all sorts of different music, more popular music, and then you know, earlier music, and then rock music, and then and then yeah, it just this huge world entered into into my my own world, and yeah, it's music is amazing like that. You 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 discover incredible, you know, there's so much music these days, and even now, constantly being made, there's so much music, and in the past, and yeah, and then when I met Tom and and the Thompson twins, you know, and I kind of, that was another sort of education of opening a door of discovery of, of music of the eighties, basically, which was sort of like a decade before I was born, which is always the joke amongst us is that I wasn't even born when Tom wrote any of the tracks, <laughs> which he said on stage a few times, which always makes people laugh. So um, yeah, but yeah, endless discovery with music, whether it's instruments or yeah. So I think one of the first genre that I completely discovered, progressive rock, believe it or not. Oh, okay. One of the most wow. complex forms of rock in music history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I bet. I mean, I, do you know what? I, I hands up admit, I don't know a huge amount about progressive rock. I mean, you by the sounds of it, you know probably a lot more than I do, but I appreciate it. It's a very, a lot of people, you know, are very into things like progressive rock and and yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean though is I'm still discovering that's what I, what I love about what we do in, in music is like you 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 think oh okay progressive rock I'm gonna go and listen to some progressive rock later you know like you, you just feel like you're on this complete world of discovery where you know there's always genres of music I'm discovering or or artists or or bands or it's amazing it's amazing it's endless hmm. endless yeah I grew up I grew up in the household of 80s music my mom, thank you very much, introduced me to a lot of the bands that I know, including the aforementioned Thompson Twins. I think I heard Hold Me Now at the age of four years old. Wow. Wow. That's that's a young age to hear. 
pull me now. I love that. I love that. Incredible. So but yeah, was, you must have grown up hearing the Thompson Twins in the house, right? Yeah, yes. It was on like one of those compilation CDs our family, one of our family was made for my mom. So I was like, yeah, oh, they're pretty cool, man. I like them. And then, you know, odd years later, and I started collecting vinyl and, you know, they come back. I'm like, oh, well, let's get into them more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, God. So you're lucky to have grown up listening to the Thompson Twins. I mean, it must have been like a constant in your house, right? So just having it on in the background, that's kind of where you're really, as a young child, you're really taking it in, right? You're really like absorbing that music because it's 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 happening in those really primitive years of your development. So it just absorbs, it sort of it like it's it becomes a part of you. And I can see why you're you're such a big fan of the Thompson Twins. You've literally grown up listening to it, you know, you're it's like a physical thing almost. Yeah, and yeah. surprises me. I'm born in the early 2000s. I'm even really? you. Yeah, I know. I know, that's mad. I know, I was going to say, you look very young, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, when were you born? What year were you born? 2002, so I'm 20 years old. you're such a baby. Oh my God, you're such a baby. I mean, I'm 1991, and even then, Tom and everyone laughs because I wasn't around for his music. But what I think is amazing with Tom actually and the Thompson Twins is that that's what really fascinates me is that there's so many people who are your age or if not younger who are huge fans of the Thompson Twins and their music, considering that, you know, this is music of the 80s. It's pretty amazing that it's transitioned and it come this far that their music is still inspiring and influencing generations that are of today which are really really young and I think that's testament to the Thompson twins and the fingerprint they've left behind in the music industry is the the impact they've had and and around the world on all age groups you know it's it's funny because every time I speak to people you know who are uh older than me or or within that you know grew up within that sort of era of the 80s 70s and 80s as soon as you mention the Thompson twins, they go, yeah, I remember the Thompson twins. You know, everyone says that. And it always blows my mind. I'm like, wow, God, the Thompson twins had such a fingerprint on, have you know, they've had such a, a standpoint on the music industry, you know, in terms of time. It's it's amazing. Like everyone I know, I go, yeah, you know, I, I play with Tom Bailey, who plays, who was in the Thompson twins. And they all go, yeah, what was that tune they did? Was it Hold Me Now or, oh yeah, Doctor, Doctor, do you remember that? And then, oh yeah, Lay Your Hands. You know what I mean? Everywhere, it's amazing. Always, I'm like, God, how do they, as I'm so impressed that people know and remember. And, and as I said, I think that's just testament to the impact they had on, have on the world. Mm. I was looking back at your, one of your Instagram stories, uh, how many people lose a quarter jack headphone thing? Oh yeah. to that. I went yes. a whole week on radio without knowing where that fuck it is. <laughs> I know. I remember you said that on the comments. Yeah, I um, I because it, it's funny because so after this tour in Australia, I purposely hid my headphones with my quarter jack on it because I thought I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get back into my studio and someone will have borrowed my headphones and taken it off and sort of thought oh, I'll put it on my one or I'm going to borrow it and use it. And but the problem is people forget so. I got back and then lo and behold, I got there and it had disappeared. And I, and I thought the best way to investigate this in a sort of Sherlock Holmes style is to put it on my Instagram story and see whether any, you know, anyone would comment about where it might have gone. But it happens all the time. It's the most annoying thing, right? It's And they're so important because they're the only way you can usually connect into your audio interface or... Um, so now what I'm thinking of doing is going to... I might go and buy a nice big box of them so that I've always got them ready and I'm never having to rely on my one going missing but um i've lost so many so many chords tracks oh, it's made mine's made for wherever wherever i, yeah, I mean you look like you've lost yours already now <laughs> you're looking around i had these ones that were bought with my audio technica headphones for my radio and yeah my podcast by the way audio technica great great lo and behold where the fuck is it yeah you see where is it where is it great headphones great headphones Oh yeah, we Technica. That was recommended by Craig Medding from Day Night Three Point Nine, who plays a lot of Thompson Twins on Flashback Lunch. So, I just heard okay. him for a day today. Did That's you? 
Now that's the one. I don't know if you can see on the set list. Is it on the set list at the back there? Yes, it is. It's on call. Yeah. They didn't play it in Melbourne. Why did you drop it? Ah, oh, well, it was one of those things where it was it was on there because obviously it's a very po- I noticed, we all noticed, but I particularly noticed that it's a very popular track and it's a it's a what it's a, it seems to be quite a great ender as well for a, a set of shows it's just got this really grounding feeling but I think the feeling was we wanted to end on a bit more of a bang and love on your side definitely has that kind of bang you know it's mm-hmm. kind of like the energy you're keeping the energy up well with King for a day it's sort of a it's very grounded energy but it's just you know it's a very different feeling and tempo and and so on but yeah, I think if we played King for a Day on any of those, everyone still would have gone wild. But, you know, it's uh, it was also, you know, so then I don't know how long. I mean, you tell me, how long was the show in total? Do you think we were singing and playing? Uh, like an hour and a half, maybe? Yeah, an hour and a half. So. Yeah. So, you know, and that's quite a long time to be playing, you know, nonstop without, you know, a break in between. Um of of show of of tracks basically so you know I think the feeling was yeah just uh, we wanted to do all it we wanted to do both of the encores but in the end it was deciding which one to drop just because by that point we were all just yeah it, it, it's quite a long set of shows you know quite a long you know quite a few shows back to back and then quite a few you know an hour and a half set is quite long so it was just deciding what should we pick and I think we felt that love on your side was a bit more you know it's like energized like leaving everyone just going you know wanting a having a proper dance i think tom wanted people to really go for it at the end and encourage people to stand up and no. you know my friend who was sitting next to me who was wearing the black shirt you might remember on the same row as me actually encouraged me to get up during doctor doctor really i was saying the whole time and she's like come on get up i'm like okay i'll get up uh, yeah no i mean I mean, if you were to ask me what one of my favourite Thompson Twins tracks would be, it would definitely be Doctor Doctor for me. I love playing Doctor Doctor. It's every time I we get to that point and and I I get to you know I'm there at my keyboard. I think oh yes, I love this track and it's such a great track to sing. The lyrics are great, the energy is great. Um, so yes, I. I, I'm always at that moment on stage as well, very aware that it's the moment to start to get people to stand up. And it's great your friend was feeling that energy too. Like it's um yeah, it's uh it's a it's the one where Pete it's a great one to encourage people to stand up and 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 get moving, you know, for obviously Doctor Doctor and then usually we end on Hold Me Now. So um yeah, it's nice, especially with seated gigs, you know, you want to get people to come forward and yeah, exactly. Yes. I was talking with some fans backstage before the show was going on, and obviously I'd known that the set list was going to be different. Um, had the band suggested one point to end mid Don't Mess with Dr. Dream from his future days? Same energy. Yes. Music. Yeah. No, we we haven't we haven't discussed that really. No, we kind of it would be very cool. I'm sure there'll be room for change, you know, of, of what we're doing. And I'm sure in time, as time goes on, the lovely thing is because we've never done the gap into the gap, it's kind of quite a new thing as a whole. But now that like, I mean, we'll have, once we're, I'm sure we'll be doing touring it down here, then also in America as well, maybe even back in Australia again, but there will come a time where we want to change. I'm sure Tom will want to change things up and, maybe talk about doing other tracks from you know any all his other albums and stuff so maybe uh you know introducing something like that you know like Dots of Dream and stuff would be yeah be great just to have some different tracks that and maybe more for the fans the hardcore fans where they can really go oh yeah that one I guess that's what We Are Detective was a bit like for us back in Gillsbury because that was a real we threw that in and no one was expecting that. And all the fans in Aylesbury just went wild because they were like, what? We were not seeing that coming. So it'd be great to do a few more chats like that. Where, But we didn't actually discuss that. No, we we kind of knew that we were, for the Australian tour gigs, we were definitely, our focus and our heads were very much in, you know, into the gap. That was our, 
you know that was our kind of concentration in terms of just that those definitive songs basically from the album that we were the biggest and yeah mm. popular nice yeah has uh tom ever told you about the story about roll over it was a, no. one of the singles that was meant to be released but never got released at all due no to i don't really personal yes, issues that affected tom that he thought it was a bad omen to the single oh no i didn't know well, that no yeah i thought maybe maybe we'd actually have it's been a long time now. Maybe he might want to perform that song live. There's a really Maybe. I saw someone got the record signed by Tom. I'm like, do you know how much that's worth now? Really, really. It's only limited yeah. amount of pressings and it goes on discogs like 500 bucks. Wow, does it? Yep. God, that's amazing. Yeah, so signed one now must gonna be worth it. If someone's gonna sign one, I'm like, you're so fucking lucky. <laughs> um I mean, again, you could bring it up with him and see what he says, but um, I I don't know. I mean, Tom's like a, I don't know. I, I don't know if Tom's someone who's, he definitely, he definitely has his sort of like a, I don't think he'll mind. Oh. yeah, I don't think, I don't think he'll, he'll mind me saying this, but for, for sure, like, a, you know, he, he, I think he, he has his suspicions about things. So, you know, if he has a premonition or a suspicion about something, he'll, you know, so if he if he feels there might be a bad omen with the track, he might still feel that way. Um, I know that he has a, a lucky set of glasses that he wears on stage every time. Yes, that, those, those he, iconic glasses. Yeah, the iconic glasses. So, and he never, I mean, he he'll those he'll always wear on stage, and he'll never not. And it's his kind of good luck omen for the show. So you know, he he is a bit like that. So I can imagine, you know, if he if he felt that it's track had a bad omen or anything maybe he'd stick with it but i don't know time passes maybe that would change and you know but it would be cool huh i i think that'd be really cool um god i can't believe that 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 record's been signed that's gonna be worth yeah i have to Fox. find the person who got it signed so i can tell them like yeah you're never playing with hot money now yeah yeah absolutely absolutely you need to get some of yours signed actually I know, but they wouldn't allow signing at the show. Were they not? Because the COVID protocols. Oh, God. Even at our shows? Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't realise that. God. You see, we don't don't necessarily see that side of things, really, because we're backstage and we're just, you know, doing the show. You guys are just chilling out. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Chilling out with the rider backstage and... All the, all the taking in all know. the glory yeah yeah well it's actually very zen backstage we kind of um you know, we all spend the few hours leading up to the show together in a very kind of chilled out you know grazing eating a bit of food grazing and you know just chilling out and chatting and then then about an hour before once we're ready and dressed we kind of warm up together backstage and again we're just you know singing together uh tom on guitar often and the three of us singing with him and um, just warming our voices up and getting in the zone and, and the energy of the night. So it's all very Zen backstage, you know, nothing, nothing too wild. Uh, I don't think like the old Thompson twin days when Tom, Tom was a lot younger and, you know, rocking it out, living the Thompson twins high life backstage mm. and stuff. <laughs> but we love it. We love it. We get we get to spend time with him and uh yeah, warm up and, and get in the zone before the show, which I think is really important, like for all of us and for him. So we, we it's a ritual of ours. We always do that. Um yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. What's your tour rig? So what what are you playing? Obviously we know that the e cello, but what's the keyboard? Uh the keyboard is just like a little um I think it's I'm trying to remember now. I think it's like a um an M Audio 49. It's it's nothing like fancy, basically. It's base it's basically all being triggered from an Ableton program, which has loaded in all the synth sounds that would have been originally used, I guess. Not originally, but you know what I mean? Like a yeah. all the sounds that Tom would have picked out in the day. Um, so really, it's just a, a means for me to trigger MIDI, essentially. But yeah, I think the keyboard's an M Audio. Um, I can't remember the exact model name. I need to go back through my pictures to check. I'll, I'll have to tell you. But um, 
Uh, it's great. I mean, it's. I'm also a Vermordia as well. I have the. Oh, are you? I have the big one. Big boy. Oh, the big one, the 88, the full one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, M Audio, great. I mean, I have a couple of M Audio 49 keyboards lying around the studio and they're, I use them all the time as MIDI, you know, just to put in MIDI and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's it's good. It's a solid keyboard. It's lasted the whole time I've been there. And um, it's, I guess the big thing for me being classically trained is that I, the one thing that annoys me is the, with any keyboard actually because it's plastic and because there's no action you you don't really get a response back from the key hitting you know so unlike a piano you get uh unlike a piano yeah um you know you get you have something called the, the action right which is like the the bounce back of the feeling under your fingers essentially mm. um is a lot heavier and is a lot weightier and you and you get a response back but with the keys obviously it's all plastic and there's no weight at all so it's something that actually was one of the things that when I was learning and getting used to playing all the Thompson Twin stuff that was hardest was it was getting used to the feeling of the keyboard and not having the response back that you usually do with a piano or, or whatever um but it's great practice and it's really important to be able to play a keyboard because that's what they are and you know that's how they work but um yeah so I've got that then my uh we've just got a load of sort of mics vocal mics basically sm58s and things like that um and then I'm actually my I have an added extra role as the band member so not only am I playing but I'm also triggering all the tracks so I'm the one who determines the space of the set and the show essentially so it's an added pressure um so I have in front of me I mean next time you see us play you'll see on my keyboard because Alice doesn't have it but I have it as a a screen that yeah, has I think I've track. seen that screen oh, you've probably I'm seen it, okay, to see it. Yeah, yeah yeah so that screen is a sort of blueprint identical copy of our Ableton project that's running off backstage which is running the whole show um but I am triggering it from my keyboard so I I basically have to scroll down and choose the, the tracks and and basically gauge. I have to trigger each track according to how Tom is reacting and, and what he's saying or what he's not saying or just gauging the pace of the show. So yeah, it's this sort of added extra pressure, which I feel very uh, uh, lucky that and, and grateful that my team and Tom think that I'm capable of being the responsible one to do it. But it's equally quite, it can be quite nerve wracking because yeah, obviously if anything goes wrong, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of pressure on me to not get it wrong, not to fuck up. So, um, and I felt that particularly in Aylesbury um, a few months ago, pre Australia tour, the Australian tour where we hadn't played the Into the Gap album. It's the first time ever and it was a big show, you know, as I was saying, and uh, I felt really, really nervous. I felt really anxious for the, you know, I I, I get nervous. For most shows, I get a little bit of nerves, you know, and I think that's a really healthy thing. I think you need that so you don't become complacent ever, you know, I think you need to be on your toes always. But with the Aylesbury show, I, I felt really nervous. I felt like, wow. And I remember just standing there, just feeling my chest, you know, putting my hand on my chest and going, oh, you know, I'm feeling quite nervous about this like just thinking about all the playing for one having not really played the into the gap album you know only in rehearsals and then to the pace of the show and reacting to tom because it was a really long show it was at least an hour and a half again like two hours and um so yeah it was pretty daunting but these things you know when you've got no, when you get nerves you, you usually keeps you on your toes and everything went fine and yeah so it's it's an added pressure in terms of my setup is that so that's quite a big thing and then my other uh, is the electric cello and as I was saying that's a Yamaha I think it's called a C SBC two one zero I think and it's like a their best it's their most advanced best ex- most expensive electric cello basically and I did a lot of research when I was buying you know, looking for electric cellos. And there were two makes. There was Yamaha who were known. And I mean, we all know Yamaha. They're pretty reliable. Yeah. Um, they're pretty good. And f- especially for the electric cello, electric string stuff. 
And then there was another company called Bridge, which I think they're based in the UK again. But they their electric string instruments were a lot bulkier. And I loved the look of this Yamaha because it looks, you've seen it, it looks, looks like a skeleton. It's yeah. very cool. Um, it looks, I mean, I nickname it Bones because it, it looks like a skeleton. And I, and I love that. It looks quite, you know, out of this world. And, you know, it, it, it sort of looks like a cello, but then doesn't at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's very space age. So um so yeah that's basically my setup and it's quite simple really as i said because a lot of the stuff we do because if you if you notice paulina is on an uh, electric drum kit um yes, alice is also on keys like oh, you I yeah you're are. exactly yeah yeah like your electric drum kit exactly alice is on uh her bass that i think it's a she calls it black beauty it's a fender bass i can't remember what it is i think it might yeah, i don't know if it's is it the jazz bass it, it, I was going to say, I think it might be a jazz bass. I'm not sure, but um, so she plays a jazz bass. Plays a yeah, bass. yeah. I think I think you might be right. Yeah. So she she has her own bass, but our in terms of our keyboard setup, it's pretty simple. It's just a 49 note, mainly just to trigger our our MIDI and stuff, like you know, from the main system. So cool. Well, I'm going to bring what we've seen at house because I think it would be really well with all the interest in this. So oh. Well, 2017, I think it was, when I was looking for a better keyboard to replace my Casio keyboard at the time, which was my first ever keyboard that I got all the way back in 2014. Wow. Look at this. Check you out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Look at that. The Roland Lucina. Is that right? Yes, the Roland Lucina. Nice. It's a perfect size of a melodrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Look at that. I, I think it's great. And do you use it a lot? Uh, it's dead at the moment. I need to get new batteries for it. Oh, really? Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, I haven't put new batteries in it for ages. I have the organ somewhere as well. A Yamaha organ, I think it is. I like nice. So I like to use that, have that combination to play a bit of a multi-handed keyboards. Wicked. My influence is Tony Banks from Genesis. Wow! Wow! Yeah! 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 yeah that plays some pretty complex stuff. Yeah, that is complex. Wow! Well, it's very cool. It's really great. You do that though. Really great. Mm. Um, and as for maybe. drums, I probably would give it to Phil Collins from Genesis also, but I have a strong leaning towards Neil Peart from Rush. Oh, nice, nice. Go some big icons, some big. Uh, yeah, amazing. And out of interest, where we are now, is this your sort of studio, would you say? This is our office here in my house. My dad nice. shares it with me, just right nice. besides me. But this is my, where I have my bits and bobs in my percussion pad and my dual hybrid kit with an Oasis module alongside the DKX. Nice. So this is kind of your space, really, basically. More cultural related stuff, some pop vials. Even got the nice. logo set from like this last year. Wow, nice, nice. It's great. No, I think you've got a great space here. It's really very cool. It's great to have a space for your kit because that's quite a big kit. Oh yeah, it's a big one. Big one. Sounds great. So I yeah. did the rolling kit that I had. I had a TV one, but I want to try and set my sights out for like TV twenty-seven. Okay. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because so cool. yeah, yeah. who's made this one? Is this an Alesis? Did you say? There's an Alesis one and there's Yamaha also scattered. Oh, you've got okay, so it's like a double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice. a dual hybrid module, as they call it. Dual hybrid module. Nice, nice. Yeah, amazing. Very good. Very good. Well, I'm just in my live room. I, I, I share a studio with um a bunch of uh composers and producers, but um. There's eight of us in total here and four studios and I, I timeshare my room with two other writers, producers, but um, yeah, it's a great sort of family unit here, um, an amazing space with this room, which is a communal live room. And we're all kind of tie-lined into, uh, I don't know if you can see that box there, yeah. tie-lined, all the rooms are tie-lined into this room so that if anyone needs to record and use this as a space to record in, you can do it from any of the rooms, which is amazing um nice. uh so yeah it's a, an, it's an amazing purpose-built space that 
uh, for all of us, essentially. It was built from the ground up from, you know, an empty unit here in London. And uh, we're based in Bassey. So, yeah, very, I feel very lucky. I, I come in here every day and try and be creative and, you know, do what I can, really. Nice. I have a friend named Peter John Vitez, who was a very iconic keyboardist for Jethro Tull in the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. One. Uh, he also records out of Battersea as well. Oh, really? What was his name? Uh, Pe Peter John Vitez. He's a record producer. Oh, Vitesse. Yeah. Yes. Pete Vitesse. So Pete Vitesse used to, um, he used to be in the same studios that this lot used to be in, in, in Bassey. So he, it, it was called Sphere Studios, but unfortunately Sphere closed down about six or seven years ago now, and uh, everyone moved out. But yeah, Pete Vitesse, yeah, he, 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 um, I've met him before many, a few times, quite a few times. You're so lucky! Oh my god. Uh... The stories he shared with me about my uncle Ian Anderson. Oh my god. Yeah, yes, I mean, I'm related he... to Ian Anderson through Jeffrey Tall. Surprise! It's now in print. So if, if really? you're online, check the book, uh, Lend Me Your Ears from Richard Housen. It's written in word. Nice, nice. I have to check that out, yeah. Well, no, Pete, Pete was um, Pete was one of the first people I met, actually, um, when I started my own music journey in professionally um, six or seven years ago. When I came, I did work experience at his studio at Sphere, and uh, he was there amongst a, a bunch of this lot that I now work with, and... Uh, he was one of the first people I got introduced into and I was I remember being completely overwhelmed by his extreme intelligence and musical ability and being completely fascinated by him as a character and uh but fe feeling pretty overwhelmed by his genius really um yeah. so yeah an amazing an amazing man uh yeah really great person I haven't seen him actually since Sphere so yeah long time but I hope he's doing well He's doing great. He's been touring around Italy with a couple of jazz musicians, so he's doing quite fine for himself. Great. Good for him. That sounds fantastic. Yes, good to I hear. He's Ali, who actually gave me a photo of his rig on Messenger. No way. We're Facebook wow. friends, so sometimes Amazing. I get some messages from him here and there, but if not, then yeah, he usually sends me a nice message around my birthday or Christmas time, which is great. Nice. So Amazing. he uses, parenthesis load, uh, this. Oh, yeah, I know. What a good rig. I mean, listen, if anyone was going to have a decent keyboard rig, it was going to be Pete. He's, yeah, he's definitely the man for that, for sure. But no, he still keeps, like, old analog synthesizers in his attic at his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that might, sounds like Pete. He might have not told it I'm not sure. Uh, he told it to me, and he says he wants to be buried with them. Really? He wants to I, be totally, buried I can totally imagine that. It's crazy. I can totally imagine that. Bless him. Well, I'm glad to hear he's doing well anyway. Yes. Well, speaking of the recent Australian tour, what was your favourite city to play? And is it Melbourne? Oh, uh... Do you know what? No, like I, I, you know, what was really sad this trip was that we had, unfortunately, the weather was not fantastic throughout our trip, which I feel like is never, it never reflects well on the cities you're going to visit annoyingly. But I, when I first came here a few years ago, Tom, we started in Melbourne and it was so hot and sunny. And I remember thinking, God, this is the best city ever. And it was at the time. But then this time when we arrived, it was absolutely pissing it down and the whole day we were there it was just so depressing and I thought oh no it's such a sad but I, I do still think Melbourne is definitely like you know my, my experience of Australia as a whole and when I was last here Melbourne was definitely my favorite so I, I probably am quite biased towards Melbourne um but no I really enjoyed everywhere Brisbane was good except we were quite jet lagged still in Brisbane so it was again it's a different experience you know all these factors play in Sydney great again the weather wasn't great though um, Melbourne unfortunately do you remember that day it was pissing with rain um but I enjoyed coming up to the Northcote Theatre that was a different area that I'd never been to you know yeah you're meant to Melbourne. do Palais I've done I've done a ton of Palais. I know I'm gutted because we were obviously we were 
so our hotel was very near Palais and uh, I went and I went for a wander one morning to go and have a look around the area and St Kilda I don't know if you've ever been to the UK before but um St Kilda reminds me a lot of Brighton in, in say that yeah it does okay. so you know Brighton again it has its own pier it's quite quirky there's lots of quirky characters around lots of really cool restaurants and sort of in cafes lots of vintage shops all that kind of it's very quirky as a place and uh and has all these sort of like has palais-esque theatres and so yeah very similar vibe arcades mm. and things like that so I really liked it it felt very familiar it felt very familiar in terms of Brighton so that was cool I really liked it so I was sad to see it and then think oh we didn't get to play it it's a shame mm. but I think because of the numbers and just because of the state of the world at the moment it just we we had to move venue it was um but hey I, I thought North, the North Coke Theatre was really really good I really enjoyed it but again it was quite a quirky venue like it was really fun um and I think as a result of the layout and the bar I love the bar coming out the back so um but yeah I, I think Melbourne has always had a really like soft spot in my heart because as I said I, it's kind of the first city I came to when I ever came to Australia and uh my experience of it has always been really really positive so yeah and the coffee yes Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> I had I didn't have one I was saying this to my colleague next door um I did I don't think I had one bad coffee while I was in Australia yeah. actually every coffee coffee I had was incredible um and every coffee I had in Melbourne that day amazing so yeah hands down to you guys you you guys nail it with me <laughs> and I'm a big coffee person so yeah, yeah. it's well, after all, Melbourne is the capital of Australia. Yeah, they say that, don't they? They say, you know, uh, I mean, you tell me. I, 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 I think that there's a sort of slight rivalry with Sydney about who who technically feels like they should be more of the capital. But yeah, it's 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 Melbourne. It's Melbourne. Yeah. Not Fair enough. Fair enough. I shouldn't have bothered asking. It's Melbourne. <laughs> Moving away from Thompson Twins entirely, I want to talk about your EPs and your scoring for film and TV, as that's, that's rather interesting. Yeah. So um, on the side of everything that I do, um, and the Thompson Twins and gigging, um, I am a, uh, a film composer. So I write music for TV and film. So when I'm not gigging around the world and doing amazing things like that, I come here into my studio and I... Uh, write bits of music for birds, TV shows, short film, that kind of thing. Um, and that's, again, my loves since I was a teenager. I've always want, wanted to be a composer and writer. Um, it's a whole mix of things. So last year, with regards to my EPs, I released cheese, um, both completely blank canvas, just me being me and writing for writing. And... Uh, they were really amazing, actually, because they it gave me the freedom just to release my own. It was all independently released. It's just me. Um, with just the incentive to try and get my voice out there, basically, and to show people what I write and how I write. And it's amazing because it's just those four tracks that I released, those two EPs, gained a lot of traction and a lot of it from a number of different people, writers, producers, directors, agents, everything great. It's been a fantastic reaction. Actually, I've got two, another small EP that I'm going to be releasing in the next month or two, actually, which I'm just waiting to master as we speak. Um, which is So again, two tracks that I'd written completely freely, um, all very filmic inspired, dream inspired. Um so that's really cool. And then on the back of that, I have seven or eight, I think, no, seven track album, uh, an electric cello album. Route. Um, and it's been in the making for a couple of years now, but it's already, it's all mastered. I'm just completing the album artwork for that at the moment. Um, and again, that's all free writing and the sounds, everything was created using the cello you saw, the electric cello. So it's, it's great. It's all very filmic inspired. So yeah, it's uh, I'm doing a lot of my own artist, release and artist music. I'm doing a, a lot of my own writing with the incentive of getting my musical identity out into the world for people to find and hear and listen to, um, and uh, and hopefully land 
some bigger projects some bigger films and things like that because yeah. that's always kind of been when I was younger one of my dreams was to write music for film and things like that so yeah mm-hmm. uh, but I'm very much doing that anyway I've been as I said I, I did a short film at the beginning of the year with someone I'm doing a short film uh hopefully soon and then I do lots of advert work as well with my bread and butter day-to-day uh you know paying the bills kind of thing um yeah uh, yeah. it's that's kind of what I do outside of the whole gigging world nice sounds very cool indeed I've checked I've checked out a couple here and there just to see what you're all about you sound pretty fucking cool oh thanks thanks yeah they're pretty I think they're not necessarily what people would expect my sound to be which is what I like I think I think people listen to my listen to those tracks and they they maybe think they know how I am but then they actually listen they go wow that's totally different which is is exactly the reaction I'd like to like to have I like to surprise people and have a proper sort of oral visual sort of you know experience and they listen to my music but um so yeah more of the same really when it comes to the next EP and my album which is going to come out hopefully in the next few months so yeah, yeah on the back burner for a while um so yeah it'd be nice to get it out there and yeah but yeah it's uh I love it I love writing I, I try and write as much as I can whenever I can whenever I get the moment to do it I'm always in here in the live room just creating and new sounds and kind of ideas and recording and and in my studio as well so yeah Cool, cool. Um, one of my favorite bands at uh, the moment, Blamange, opened for you guys at Rise in Aubrey. Yes, yes. How were they? I want to know. They were amazing. They were really cool. I mean, again, I did, I didn't know of Blamange's music at all, but um, very cool, very, very, very cool. It was uh, an opener actually to our our Aylesbury show. Um, and they really. They so I think they even went overtime actually, and we were just like, wow, this is mesmerizing, and and yeah, it was really really cool. different actually, different from what I expected. But um, you, and you're a big fan. Yes, I'm a massive fan. I always okay. want to see them. I will really fork out money to go yeah. to check out their shows because I don't know when they're coming to Australia at all. Ah, uh, really? Would you? Would you jump on a flight and come and do them? Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the commitment. That's the commitment. I mean, have yeah. they ever come up to us, you know, down to Australia at all? Or they've been interviewed never... on Countdown, which was an Australian show. Yeah, yeah, but never actually come to come to the UK. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, come. Um, I mean, I'm. I've been loving. I've really right. enjoyed. The one thing that we, you know, for a lot of the time that I've been with Tom. Um, it's been you know the same kind of tracks and you know gigging the same core tracks that are super popular amongst the Thompson Twins repertoire but I've really enjoyed like I was saying earlier doing things like uh you know Into the Gap and 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 just doing that album as a whole that's been a really exciting you know a new endeavor for all of us as a band actually but also you know uh we did the other day in Aylesbury was fantastic so yeah I'd love to do more of more tracks from other albums and, and things like that. So uh, going forward, yeah, I, I I think it's a question of going through and seeing what he wants to do. And But I guess you've got to remember for Tom as well, it's not just saying, yes, let's do it. So he has to then, with any new track, he has to then go in and program it and get it sound get it sounding the way he wants it to sound if we were to perform it live. So it's quite a lot of work. So it's all down to Tom really and what he feels and you know what he feels which I love. Let's, let's have a look here I think one that comes to mind for me on the albums and it would be The Road. The Road okay I again I, I don't know I don't know if I know that one actually I'm again you know probably me. Probably. <laughs> for sure. Mm, yeah, it's all the same album as In the Name of Love. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I know even it's even on the same it's, side. It's close as bad. I one. think. Yeah, yeah, I think I think now you. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. I mean, again, you should suggest these to Tom and see what he says. He's the man to ask for sure. Mm. We'd love that. But I, very, I, I think we all really, we've all enjoyed doing 
you know, introducing new material into our set for sure. As I said, it's away from the core songs, which are amazing, but just doing some different new things, which is really exciting. So yeah, I'm totally game for it. I know the others are too. So yeah. I say that because I've seen gigs online where they played songs like Runaway, which was done once in 2018 in yeah. America. Yeah, we've I've uh, we've done Runaway, yeah, for sure. Um, again, uh, it's a popular. I think it's quite popular in the US, um, and it's still in our arson for sure. We've still got it. We've still performed it, but uh, yeah, we've just not performed it for quite a while. You're right. That one, again, came through a bit like that. We hadn't performed it for a while. Um, probably Ellsbury was the last time we performed it. Um, what else have we not performed for a long time? There's a couple of other ones, a couple of sort of more newer ones as well that are Tom's own music, which we have we've not played for a while either. Um, yeah, in terms of Thompson Twins, I think Runaway and King for a Day were the ones that are kind of they come along there. Everyone goes, oh yeah, great. Um, but it, it will be back, I'm sure. It'll be back Runaway. It's still in, as I said, it's still very much in our arse and ready to go. And we we will play it. We all know. So. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it will make its appearance again sometime soon. What made uh, Tom do Psycho Girl? Ah, so Psycho was kind of... It was a track that he he loves, absolutely loves. And I think we've been doing it backstage. I mean, he'll probably correct me if I'm wrong, but we were backstage, um, you know, listening to it and things like that. And appreciating it and I just sort of thought something clicked in his mind and thought oh wouldn't it be great to sort of do a kind of acoustic-y version backstage that we can just sing along to so we sort of it sort of stemmed from doing warm-ups actually I think backstage so we were just warming up and singing because we often do that we don't just sing Thompson Twins stage we often sing other covers older older country tunes all sorts of different things backstage whatever takes the mood and the fancy um so I think Tom probably was just, I, mean, I think he probably was noodling away and just playing, decided to play Psycho Killer. We were all singing along. And then as time we would do it quite ritually, you know, like more of a ritual every every time after. And uh, uh, sorry, before before our show. And uh, yeah, I think it got to a point where Tom was like, actually, we could, we could really, if I program this, we take this into something that we could perform live, you know, on stage. So he did, he programmed it up. I made a decent sort of keyboard part, Alice on the bass, him on up front on the drums. And yeah, it sounded, and we kind of practiced it a bit in rehearsals and yeah, and we just went for it. And we thought fun to do a cover actually, just to do something away from the Thompson Twins and, and have a break in the set where you're doing something a bit different. Cause you know, a lot of artists do it. They, you know, they pick up and do covers of other songs. I think it works really well. I, I mean, whenever we play it, we love it and there's a great energy to it and it's different. It's really different. So that's kind of how it came about, really. It kind of started backstage and then progressed. Tom go, oh, well, maybe I can, yeah, let me, let me stew away at this. So we did. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, do you have any favourite virtual workstations that you like to play with? Can we keep us? Oh, any trap keyboards you mean? Yeah, the, so the virtual workstations, the VSTs. The VSTs. Oh, VSTs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I have all the um, I have all the Arturia plugins. I don't know if you know them. Yes, I do know it's them. Got, yeah, exactly. So they're all all those VSTs. I play a lot of the time. So I have. I have all of them at my disposal. They just sit in my arsenal and I often just get them. So, um, you know, things like the Juno, the there's so many, the Mooly Moog, the oh god, there there's so many, I can't even think of them all. All the art synths as well. Um, so much so I feel like I need to get get it up actually on my logic. Can I do that here? Unless my system's gonna completely crash. No, uh, it won't work. But um, yeah, I, I I use that whole VST library all the time, whether it's for writing purposes or just to noodle around on. Um, so yeah, I've always loved. We've even actually here, 
um, in our studio because we used to in Sphere's yeah. where Pete Vitesi was. We Duran Duran had a room in Sphere Studios, and uh, of course Nick Rhodes had a, a whole room of keyboards of incredible analog, you know, original keyboards. So for a while here we had Juno, we had his Prophet, and we had his one of three Maplewood Moogs in the studio one of three in the world with that particular thin maple and um it just sat here because he didn't he didn't have anywhere to keep it because we left the sphere studios and he just said can you can you guys look after it because we were in here and, and yes of course we can and uh and he said you know you have i don't mind you playing and just be careful of them so um they were here for a while so that's fun when nick rhodes comes in and leaves his uh since behind just for us to mess around with and play <laughs> doesn't happen every day but it's happened so whenever I can I love the VSTs I think they're amazing that that you can dispose on I, I use them a lot but whenever I can I always if 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 the real thing is around I always prefer to plug in and experiment like that and you know get recording the actual because there's something about the way a synth breathes and moves and feels physically in the air and the space you know there's nothing beats the real thing right I mean the, the plugins are incredible the digins are incredible and they're so useful and essential but the real thing is like something about the real thing if you can get a hold of any of it it's it's amazing so yes I can totally understand why Pete Tessie wants to be buried with all his uh, synths and keyboards. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. So I've got all these. I've got a whole mix. So I'm always using this one, the ARP um, 2600. Of course, the um, Hammond. That's a classic. Um, I'm, oh, yeah, the CS80. I often pick that up. The, yeah, DX7, uh, what else? Jupiter 8. Yeah, the Mini Moog all the time. Profit, Selena occasionally. And a good old Whirly, can't go wrong. So yeah, I'm, I've got all those. Um, got quite, I mean, I'm quite lucky. I've got quite a few decent, uh, you know, plugins for, for, for instrument-wise, which is cool. Um, oh yeah, well, the Roland stuff as well. Again, we've got the Juno here, Jupiter. 1080 the jv 1080 nice um it's great i've got a whole load of stuff and that's that's just instruments and then audio wise i've got all the waves plugins which are really useful so yeah yeah i mean yeah i'm always but particularly i'm always playing around with the arteria stuff it's amazing um i often use it you know coming up with on projects that i'm writing on or adverts or whatever it is um, but you know what's also great is Keyscape. Have you have you heard of Keyscape? Oh, <laughs> yeah, Keyscape's um, Keyscape's really really good, um, and uh, it's like a, made by Spectrosonics, and again that's a VST, and they do um, Omnisphere, which you may have heard of as well, and uh, Trillion, those three. But Keyscape's really good. It, it does a, a number of cool keyboards and clavinets and stuff like that. So that's another one to check out. But yeah, all the Arturia stuff is. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I have the RBM and I have Yamaha DTX7's uh, DTX. Nice, nice. So I can very needle cool. around and play these tunes with that. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, yeah that's that. That's that. Do you have any questions for me? Always open to the floor. Hey, I mean, I feel like as long as you're happy with all the answers I've given you I mean I've really enjoyed thank you so much for having me on your podcast it's been fantastic um and hopefully I mean maybe if we have some shows here you'll get over to the UK maybe at some point yes especially if we're playing with Blamanche so fans who told me he says he'll meet up with fans before the show which is really great yeah yeah that'd be awesome yeah yeah, yeah. Um, no, some it's finals to be signed, so I need need some. Oh support. yeah, that's true. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure to do this podcast with you. So thank you for having me on, and uh, I hope keep pestering Tom Man Tom's management because I'm sure it'll be fine. And uh, if you don't hear anything, let me know. I can always see if I can always throw my 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 hand into the mix and try and encourage it. But um, yeah, 
but no, it's been a pleasure to answer all your questions and, and everything. So what time is it with you now? It must be quite late. Uh, it's only 11.43 p.m. Not that late. Oh, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. Oh, of course, because you're, yeah, yeah, you're 10 hours, aren't you? So um, nice. Very good. Um, well, I only just feel like I'm starting my day, actually. It's quarter to one in the afternoon. I'm going to, got a got a few working advert deadlines I'm going to get to. So, yeah, so all is good. So, yeah, it was lovely to be on your podcast, Lillian. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome. And uh, as always, you can check the, out the episodes. The video uh, version will be on YouTube, hopefully when they get done editing it. You can check it out on Spotify, Anchor FM, all your good places where you can get podcasts and uh, maybe featured on 94.7 The Pulses, Groups on the Records, the best place to find the greatest music of all time. This has been another episode of The Variety Show with Liam. Take care.